you to stop, take out your sermon notes. If you have them, your minister guide. If you're online with us, you can go to our webpage and you can download them um, and open your Bible to the book of Romans. Romans chapter 12 today. Romans chapter 12. Our primary passage is just going to be verse 2. Romans 12, 2, as we come to God's word. Um, you know, many times we just have this idea that we know what we know. We, we just think we know what we need to know, and, and we feel confident with that, and we feel comfortable with that. And so we kind of go through life just figuring we know what we know, and, and we don't really take a little bit of time to research those things that we think we know to know whether they're real or not. And so sometimes we can live with a, with a whole raft of misconceptions, but we base our life on them, or we base what we think we know. Um, for example, did you know that that there was no evidence that Vikings wore horns on their little helmets. But every Viking show you see, and every picture of a Viking, what are they wearing? A helmet with little horns on them. But we think we know what we know. Did you know that, that, there, uh, that Danish pastries didn't, ar- didn't originate in Denmark? It came from Austria. I don't know if you went to a bakery shop, though, and said, I would like a little Austrian for breakfast. I don't know what, what you would get. So I guess it's good that you can say, I want a Danish, and they'll know what you're going to get at that point. But, but we think we know what we know. Um, did you know that, uh, that it's often claimed that, that you can see the, the one thing that you can see from the moon is the Great Wall of China? But you can't, at least not on the evidence of people who actually gone to the moon and looked. They said, you don't see that. Not from the moon anyway. But we think we know that you can do that. Did you know that, that ostriches don't bury their heads in the sand, regardless of what Liberty Insurance tells us? <laughs> they, they don't do that. Did you know that... that Lightning never, that lightning never st- strikes twice in the same place? We're told that, aren't we? Yet it strikes the in- Empire State Building 100 times a year at least. And yet thousands of people go to the top of the Empire State Building to get married. Hoping it's not one of those 100 times that it's going to get struck by lightning, I guess. You know, it's bad. This has got to be a good marriage. We survived lightning on the Empire State Building. And also for those of you who are excited that tomorrow spring training baseball games begin. But, but we, we think about who invented the game of baseball. All you baseball fans know it was Abner Doubleday. Except that it wasn't. Baseball was invented but not by Abner Doubleday. And so there are a lot of things that we think we know that we don't know. And it's not just true in, in obscure things that don't really make a whole lot of difference, like do ostriches sit, put their hands in the sand or not, uh, their heads in the sand. Um, there are things that we think we know about the Bible that maybe we don't know as much as we know. And so look at a couple of misconceptions about the Bible with me, if you will. Uh, did, you, uh, did you know that... that um, the Bible doesn't specify three wise men. 
who came to visit Jesus? All it says is that, that these wise men came and it specifies the types of gifts that they gave. Gold, frankincense, and myrrh, but it didn't say there were only three of them. Did you know that the Bible doesn't tell us that the fruit in the Garden of Eden that Adam and Eve ate was an apple? It just says it was a fruit that they ate. And did you also know uh, that the Bible does not say anywhere that God helps those who help themselves? One time a young pastor, new at the church, brand new in, in, in pastoral ministry, made that statement. And after the service, one of the, one of the little old blue-haired ladies that, that just loved the Lord came up to him and she stuck her finger in his face. And she said, young man, don't you ever tell me that the Bible doesn't say that God helps, doesn't say that God doesn't help those who help themselves. She said, I know it's there even if I can't find it. You know, we, we, we kind of base our lives on things that we, we hope we know or we think we know, but we're not really always sure that we know them. And yet we make major life decisions based on some of those kinds of things. Things like, and you may have heard yourself saying these at one time or another, I'm too bad to ever be good. My marriage can never get better. It can never be fixed. I can never have victory over sin in my life. Or how about this relationship can't be salvaged? Or maybe I'll never like my job. Or even I'll never have a good life. Now, if those are things that you think are true, and you're feeding that into your mind, you are pretty well assuring that those things will play out. But are they what God wants you to know? Are they true? Do we find them in God's word? And the fact is that we go through life with all these wrong ideas, and we never stop to examine where that thought is coming from or where that idea is coming from. And because of that, we are in, we are in danger of having a life that is never what God expects it to be and knows it can be. And it's based on what we determine is true rather than letting God move and work in our hearts and our lives to let us know what is true. There's this verse in the Bible in Romans chapter 12, verse 2, which, by the way, is where you'll be reading this week, if you haven't read it yet, in our immersed Bible reading plan, in our in our in our. In our growth groups, you'll be discussing uh, these passages of Scripture. And in Romans 12:2 is this verse that sounds really new agey. You think, really, God said that? And it's in this one is in the Bible, so we can know it's true, because God says so. And so I want us to take a moment and look at these at this verse. In just a moment, I'm going to let you read it out loud with me. But I'm going to start at verse one here in the New Living Translation, and then we're going to I'm going to invite you to join me um, with verse two, and it'll be on the screen. And um, don't start reading just yet, or it's in your notes if you want to follow there. If you have your Bible in the New Living Translation, you can read from there. Um, this is what we read in Romans 12:1. 
It says, and so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all he has done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. And now join me in reading verse 2. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. Let's pray together. Father, this morning we pray that Jesus would be glorified as we open your word, as we listen to what you have to say to us through your spirit in regards to how we think, what we should know, those things that that we just need to know as we we just kind of give ourselves a crash course on that that we should know according to your word. And so, Father, speak to our hearts, speak to our lives. Pray against Satan, who doesn't want us to believe any of these things. He has a whole list of things he wants us to believe, things that will bring death, that will bring destruction to our lives. And yet, you give us just the opposite. You give us that which is good and pleasing and perfect for our lives. And so, Father, we pray that we would listen to your spirit, pray against Satan, that he would have no place in this room, no place in the homes of people who are listening and watching online right now. And Father, we will give you glory and praise for what you want to do. Pray for that one who doesn't know Jesus as Savior, who's listened to the lies of Satan and said, there is no hope. I am too, I'm too broken. I am too sinful. I will never be good enough. I can never get to heaven. I will never hear God say, well done, because I know my own life. Father, help them to see what you say about them, to believe what you say about them, to live what you say about them, to trust Jesus, to bring healing, to bring forgiveness into their lives right now. And Father, we'll give you praise and glory for what you're going to do. We ask these things in Christ's name. Amen. So this morning, I just want to share with you three truths. And these are three truths that are, that are concerning how you should think. How do you go about thinking? What are the things that you ought to think about? What are, but even more than that, how do you think? And what do you need to know about thinking so that you're not doing stinking thinking? Because we all have a tendency to drop into that. That's our old nature, is a nature of stinking thinking. And stinking thinking brings death. And so this morning, as we get ready to do that, I want us to, to go back and think about three statements. Three statements that you have been learning, and I hope that you're practicing them. And the first statement that I want you to look at, and Mark, I know we skipped over that earlier, but I want you to just go back there, is our vision statement. So I want you just to say that out loud with me. If you need to read it, that's fine. But our vision is that First Southern Baptist Church of Prescott Valley is a life-giving church giving life. That we don't want to give death. We don't want to say, here's stinking thinking, and I know it's going to destroy your life, but we're good with that, because we're not. We want people to know life. We want them to know life in Jesus Christ. And so that is our vision. Our mission statement is this, and you can read it along also, that as First Southern Baptist Church, we are a church that is devoted to helping people find life, not death, life and hope by coming into a, a connecting 
are connecting with a relationship with God, with God's love, and he brings life. And then our purpose statement is seen even on our sign as you leave this room and you go out through the parking lot and you head out toward home or wherever you're going to go, is that we are advancing the kingdom of God one heart at a time. Those are statements that we want you to know. We want you to, to just kind of breathe them and speak them to yourself and speak them to others. That we are a life-giving church and we want people to come to life and hope through Jesus Christ and his love and that advances the kingdom of God each time somebody trusts Jesus to be their Savior and Lord. And so, three, four, three ways, rather, three truths that we need to know concerning how we think. The first thing that you need to understand in terms of what the Bible says is that your old way of thinking is holding you back. Your old way of thinking is holding you back. That stinking thinking, that, that, that way of thinking that says, I'm not going to invite God into this process of what I think about, how I think. It has this process. It has this end result of death. It holds me back. And so um, it is holding you back. And, and really, this is the real obstacle uh, for you in, in your transformation. It is in the way that you think. And if you're thinking wrongly, it's going to hold you back. It's going, to, it's going to hold back that transformation that Christ wants to make in your life because you're choosing to think wrong thoughts. And so it happens over and over and over again because, because it's based on what we believe. And you have to stop and think about what do we believe? Well, we believe what we have been told, don't we? Most of us just believe what we've been told. And I got to tell you, most of the time, the things we've been told are absolutely wrong. And so we believe stuff because we've been told, but it was wrong, and we never stop to discover, is that right? And so with, if it's an ostrich with or without its head in the sand, or if it's Abner, Doubleday, or whatever, those kinds of things, if we get that wrong, it's not going to really affect our life all that much. But if it's about who God says we are and what he knows about us and what he wants to do in our lives, and we are still listening to wrong words about what God wants to do, if we're not listening to what God says is true and we're not buying into that because we don't know to do that or we don't want to take the time to do that, then we're in danger of living our lives based on a wrong premise or wrong premises, and it brings death into our lives. And yet, we just go on and hang on to these erroneous beliefs, thinking that we're right just because we've always heard it, or we've always thought it must be true. And so, so we, we don't ever think about where did that idea or where did that thought come from? Where did it come into my life from? Where am I finding that in? And, and because of that, we're not asking where they came from, and so we're not also asking what is it doing to us. And because we're not asking what we're doing to this, uh, there, we're not even asking where are those thoughts taking me. Where did, where did I get that idea from? Where is it, what's it doing to me? And where is it taking me? Those are important questions. And, and even though ostriches um, you know, bury their hearts, hearts in the sand. Uh, sometimes we do. And we need to not do that. 
Paul said this in verse 2 again. He says, don't copy the behavior and customs of this world. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world. What's he talking about? He's talking about don't copy and don't, and don't, um, and don't imitate uh, the world's way of thinking. Don't copy and imitate the world's way of believing. Don't copy and don't imitate the world's way of doing. So let me tell you something about the world that he says not to copy, not to imitate. It doesn't matter how sheltered a life that you've lived or how much you try to shelter your children from what the world is doing, there will be stinking thinking that comes in. It just is going to be there. Because we're surrounded with it and our old nature thrives on it. That's our old nature's way of thinking. And so it's always going to be seeking a way to feed itself, that old nature. That nature that, that we are to consider dead. We're to, we're to choose to have the mind of Christ. To imitate him. But our old nature doesn't want to do that. And so we constantly have these, these resources around us that, that we want to feed that old nature. That we want to just say, okay, we're comfortable there. We like it there. And so we have to understand that that's going to get us into trouble. Um, so we need to evaluate the things that we believe, and we need to ask, um, you know, where did that come from? Where did this thought, where did this attitude, where did this belief come from that I would think that I am not worthy, that I can't stand before God, that I will never be able to go to heaven, that I'll never have a good marriage, that I will never have a job that I would just thrive in. Where, where do those things come from? We don't take the time to ask, and we don't time to believe, and we don't time to search for an answer. Um, read about a former atheist who once um, said that the greatest shock to his life was when he went to church and found out that everyone there was loving and non-judgmental. It just, it just shocked him out of his shoes. He said, I always believed that that's what Christians were. He said, the only thing I knew about Christians was what I saw on the television show Law and Order. And he said, Law and Order, which is on almost you know, 24 hours a day someplace on your TV dial. 24-7, you can find Law and Order or some version of it. He said, but everything I learned about that I thought I knew about Christians, I came from that show. And on that show, Christians are always angry and judgmental. He said, I thought that's who they were. He thought, I thought they were crazy. Or they were angry. That's what I lived with. And then I went to church and I found out that wasn't true. These people weren't judgmental and they were loving. They were willing to love me as an atheist. They came to know Jesus Christ as the Savior and his Lord. But he stopped long enough to say, wait a minute, where did this thought come from? And it came from a dumb television show who didn't care about whether he was saved or not, but was bringing him to death. 
eternal death. If he had just, if he based his, his whole premise on law and order and he stood before the pearly gates and he said, man, God, I didn't believe anything about the church and you because of that television show. So I had to be able to get into heaven because they lied to me and God would have said, sorry. That's not how it works. And so you have to ask yourself, do I really want to be shaped by law and order or any other television show or any other movie that Hollywood produces? Or do I want to find something else to base my life on? Is there someplace else I can go for right answers? Because when I am thinking in my old nature, that way of thinking, the world's way of thinking, holds me back from the transformation that God wants to make in my life. And it holds you back from the transformation God has for you as well. And so we need to be willing to ask those kinds of questions. We need to evaluate the kinds of things that we think about and that we believe. And we need to ask ourselves, where did I get this idea? Where did it come from? Did this come from the world or did this come from the word? Am I listening to what the, an unsaved world is saying about who I am and who God is? Or am I listening to God's word telling me about who God is and what he knows I am and who he knows that he wants to transform me to be? I think that's what Paul was talking about when he said in 2 Corinthians 10.5, we destroy every proud obstacle that keeps people from knowing God. We capture their rebellious thoughts and teach them to obey Christ. I want you to, if you've got your Bible, I want you to underline that, that last sentence there. We capture their rebellious thoughts and teach them to obey Christ. I think that's what he's talking about. He's talking about that in our own lives and as we help other people. I need to capture the way I think. I need to capture those things that I believe, my thought process. And I need to understand that when I do that and I decide what I'm going to believe, then I am going to be able to, to think, think things that are going to bring life and not death. And so we need to look at every thought and every belief and every attitude and ask, is Jesus behind this or not? Is this what Jesus is saying to me today or not? Is this what the world is saying or is this what the word of God is saying to me through the Holy Spirit? Or is this something I picked up, some, some bad influence along the way? So the first step in experiencing the transformational power that God wants you to realize in your life is that, that some things are going on in your thought life that are just old baggage that's left over from your old nature. And you need to get rid of that baggage. You need to dump that and choose to think a different way. You need to be able to say, I'm, gonna, I'm not going to copy the behavior and customs of this world. I'm going to learn to think in a new way. And so as you do that, number two, the truth that you need to understand about and concerning about how you need to think is this, is that lasting change takes place from the top down. Lasting change takes place from the top down. A lot of you have either working now or you've had careers working, and, and undoubtedly, at some point, most all of us have worked in some kind of a company or organization that the people there, the employees there, your coworkers, assuming that you weren't the boss or the owner of the corporation, let's, let's just assume that you're one of the employees 
And most of us didn't start out as the boss and the CEO. There's not too many jobs that say, okay, you graduated from high school or you got your GED good, we're going to make you the CEO of our company now. Never worked a day in your life, but we're going to make you the CEO. You started out somewhere closer to the bottom to the middle. And so you've been there and you, and you said, you know, I like the people I work with. They're all dedicated and they're, and they're conscientious and they're working hard and they want to produce a good product for our customers. But something seemed to be always holding the company back. Something just seemed to be there that said, as much as we want this to work, it's not working. And you discovered, almost without exception, that the problem is not those in the middle who are doing the work. The problem is usually the upper leadership, the upper management in the company. Because they seem to have a game plan that everybody else doesn't have. They have a game plan. They have, a, they have a, a, an SOP, a standing operating procedure that they don't share with anybody else because it's about their benefit and it's to their benefit and they want to make sure things go well for them. And they're not so much worried about all the other stuff that the people in the middle are worried about. And so until that changes, until that thought process changes in that company, then nothing good is going to happen. Well, the same thing happens in your life. So why don't you consider yourself a mini-corporation? You say, I'm a mini-corporation of me. This is who I am. And understand that if there's something holding you back, it's you. And it's starting in your mind. It's starting at the top. And until the top changes, until that space, you know, you fill it with the right stuff, that place between your ears and right underneath your bald spot, nothing below that is going to change. Nothing below that is going to make any difference because until the top changes, until the, that which is in control of everything else changes its attitude, then you're not going to get anything happening. So understand that that lasting change is not going to take place from the bottom up, or even from the middle up, it's going to start from the top and go down. That's just the way life works. And God understands that because he made us that way. And that's why we get to this verse in verse 2 of Romans 2, and we say, wow, this sounds a little new agey. This is a kind of, a, it almost sounds touchy-feely, but it's the truth because God says it and because he made us that way. And he says, this is how it's going to change. This is how you get the change to take place. You're going to start with your mind, and it's going to move into your beliefs, and it's going to move into your actions. But it's not going to start with actions and beliefs and go to your mind. It's going to go the other way. It always goes from the top down. That's his plan. That's how it works in our lives. Look at what he says in verse 2. In the middle of the verse, he says this. Let God transform you into a new person by changing your shirt. No. By changing the kind of car you drive, no. By changing where you live, no. By changing the way you think. It starts in your mind with your thinking. That's where the change takes place. In other words, God is saying, or Paul is saying with the Holy Spirit's inspiration, he's saying we need to think new thoughts. 
So as you learn to think new thoughts, then you'll learn to make different choices. Because as you change what you think about, the choices you make will change. The things you used to think that were stinking thinking brought you to bad choices. Now you're going to start to change the way that you make choices because you started to think different. And then you're going to learn to model different behaviors out of that. And as you begin to model those different behaviors, you know what's going to happen. You're going to become a different person. All of a sudden, people are going to say, wow, what happened to you? I used to know you when. So how did this take place in your life? And now you have a story to tell. That says, I know that's who I used to be, but now I'm not because I changed the way I think. And so from the top down, you become a new person as you begin to think differently. And Paul goes on to say this in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 23. He says, let the Spirit, talking about the Holy Spirit, let the Spirit renew your thoughts and attitudes. You'd think he'd say, let the Spirit just renew, renew the choices you make, or, or let the Spirit renew, renew the, the, the way you live, the choices you make to live, the actions you will take. No, he says, we're going to start at the top, because that's where change has to begin. So let it start at your mind. Let the Holy Spirit move there. In the New International Version, that verse says, be made new in the attitude of your mind. And so you need to start asking God, God, I need to change my attitude in my mind about how I live, about who I'm going to be in you. I know what I thought I knew, but I don't think it's right anymore. I know what I knew when I was unsaved. I know what, I, what this world says is right, but that's not who I want to be but I keep trying to change it on my own and it doesn't work. How many of you ever said, I'm going to go on a diet and I'm going to lose 10 pounds in the next month? How many of you ever said, I'm going to stop drinking or I'm going, to, I'm going to stop telling lies or I'm going to stop watching pornography or I'm going to stop smoking or whatever it may be? And it lasted for about 30 minutes because you tried to change it on your own without ever letting the Holy Spirit change it in your mind. So it starts with your attitude in your mind. That's where newness starts. That's where it takes place. And so you need to do that. Norman Vincent Peale uh, said this. He said, change your thoughts and you'll change your world. Change your thoughts and you'll change your world. I'm going to share um, the last, I think the last sermon I'm going to do in this series. We're halfway through now um, this series on immersing ourselves in God's word. Messiah, immersing ourselves in God's word because that's what we're doing for eight weeks. We're reading through the New Testament, immersing ourselves in God's word in the New Testament for these eight weeks. And right now, this week, we're halfway through. We're finishing week four this week as you discuss. And, and the last one to do is, is how do you change your world? How do you become a world changer? And part of it is starting right here. Letting God change your attitudes. Letting God be the one who makes those changes through his Holy Spirit. 
who changes your attitudes. And I can't tell you the number of people that have said to me over the years when, when I've told them that, that truth, that, that you really have to change your attitudes, you have to change the way you think in order for your life to change, who said, I can't do that. It's, it, that just sounds way too easy. That just can't be true. And, and I kind of just come up with a, with a standard answer to somebody who says that to me, then you've never tried it, have you? Because if you think it's easy, you've never tried it. Because it is anything but easy. It is hard, isn't it? If you're, letting, if you're letting God change your attitudes that will then change how you act, there's a lot of hard things in there because I want those things to happen in my life. Those things that I know are sinful, those things that I know are, are hard to, that, I, that, are, that are against the Spirit's plan for my life. They're not God's will for me. And I want to change them, and I try to change them over and over and over again, and they just never change. It's hard to get to that point when we allow the Holy Spirit to do that in our lives, to let Him change who we are. The writer Richard Rohr uh, said this. He said, if you, if, um, it was a, this clinical psychology, uh, uh, he quoted a, a clinical psychology uh, study uh, a few years ago, and he said this. He said, he said, this study concluded that 90%, just across the board, human beings, 90% of the things that we think about, think about that, 90% of the things that we think about are, according to this clinical psychology study, not a Christian psychotic, uh, psychologist, but a study, but just as, uh, across the board, saved and unsaved people, that 90% of what we think about is repetitive and negative. That means that 90% of the day, you are allowing yourself to feed yourself repetitive, negative thoughts. You may not say them out loud very often, but they're there. Constantly, this constant barrage entering your mind, and you're agreeing with them. You're repeating them to yourself. I shared this one other time, but this is not the first time I've ever, ever shared with you and preached to you about about how our lives change and, and how it changes in our minds to begin with. And when I was preparing that sermon, um, I remember that I, I somehow misplaced our, I was at home and I was kind of thinking through it and working on it, and I, and I, and I misplaced our, my debit card. Because I'd taken a break and I, and I was doing something else, and, and I were buying something online, I guess. I don't even know what it was. But I, I realized after a little while, oh, where did my debit card go? And I started looking all over. I looked at my desk. It wasn't there. I looked in the drawer. It wasn't there. I looked in all three drawers. It wasn't there that I could find. And I'm very meticulous about my desk. And so, you know, those of you who have been in my office, you would know that. And so you can say, I, I can understand how you wouldn't be able to find it. So I'm looking everywhere. I, you know, I, I'm going through the house. I'm, I'm looking under things. I, I, I went to the kitchen. I thought, because sometimes I'd go and sit in there and, and, and get on my laptop or, and make a, a, an order or something like that. And I thought, maybe I left it in there on the countertop. It wasn't there. I looked around. I saw the cookie jar. I opened it up thinking maybe I left it in the cookie jar. I ate my way down to the bottom of the cookie jar just to make sure that it wasn't there. 
and it wasn't. And I remember saying to myself, guy, Terrell, are you so old that you can't concentrate on something for more than five or ten minutes without losing your train of thought? What's wrong with you? What an idiot you are. Now, you understand, and I think most of you know me well enough that I would never speak that way to somebody that I know. And I probably wouldn't let anybody say that to me either. But here I was telling myself what an idiot I am. And yet I was preparing a sermon on this very thought. We constantly revert back to our old nature, to that old stinking thinking. It is that 90% of those negative, repetitively negative thoughts that we feed to ourselves, and I just automatically reverted back into that. We all do that, and we have to be careful that we don't do that. We need to say, okay, God, that's not what I need to do. And so it, so it, it really begins to talk to us about all those things that we need to understand, that, that, that it's deeply ingrained in our thought habits, and those need to change. And that applies not only to how you berate yourself, but also... Um, it talks about, you know, when you lose something or misplace something, but also it refers to your, your temper. You know, do you just blow off the handle all of a sudden when things don't go your way? Uh, it refers to, to sexual temptations. It refers to your mood. Well, I'm just a little moody. Well, why are you a little moody? Because I keep telling myself that I'm moody. It refers to all those kinds of emotions and all those kinds of actions. And so he says, make sure that we are not doing that. Make sure that we're not falling into those things, that it takes place from the top down, and, and what you nurture in your thoughts tends to find its way into your actions. So how do you learn to think new thoughts? Number three, you learn to think new thoughts in, in order to do that, you have to plant the right seeds in order to grow the right fruit. You've got to plant the right seeds in order to be able to grow the right fruit that God wants to grow in your life. You know, back in the early days of computer technology, there was an acronym that was, that was bantered around a lot, G-I-G-O. And it stands for what? G-I-G-O stands for? Garbage in, garbage out. That what you put into your computer, if you put all this bad information in, it's just going to give you bad information back out of it. That's just what happens. Um, you know, you, you end up with crummy programs if the data you put in was crummy. Uh, man by man, Charles Babbage, uh, originated the concept of a programmable computer decades ago. And as he was talking to people about this and doing interviews and those kinds of things, he was asked by somebody, if you were to put wrong figures, wrong information into this computer, this programmable computer, would it then give me the right information back out? And he looked at the man 
And he, and he, was, and he was very concerned about that. He was, he was very serious. And he said this, he says, I'm not able rightly to apprehend the kind of confusion of ideas that could provoke such a question. He said, are you kidding me? You really believe that that could happen? He's thinking, in what universe does that happen? It doesn't happen in this universe in anything. You put bad information in, you get bad information back out. And, and of course, we all use computers now to the point where we understand that. You know, we have, we've used them long enough that for most of us, we understand that man, if I'm not putting the right stuff in, I'm not getting the right stuff back out. That's just how computers work. But that also is how our lives work and how our minds work. You put bad junk in, you put garbage in, you're going to get garbage back out. And I don't think I've got to try and convince you of that because we've all seen that happen even as Christians, haven't we? But let me look at it from the other side for just a moment with you. Let's look at it from a different point of view, the flip side of the equation, if you will. We know garbage in, garbage out, but what if we flip that over? What if we flipped it over and decide what we could see happen in our lives? What about if we were to put wisdom in, what would we get? Wisdom out. What if we were to put truth in? We would get truth out at that point. What if we were to put praise in? We would get praise out, wouldn't we? What if we were to put love in? Love out would be the, the, the end of that equation. What if we were to put power in? Then power out would be the equation in, in our lives. It doesn't have to be garbage we put in. We can put in God's word. We can put in things that are good and holy. And the crucial lesson here is that, that you put that stuff where it needs to be in that spot in your mind. And you say, God, I want to put love in. I want to put power in. I want to put your word in. I want to put truth in. I want to put wisdom in. Then those are the things that come out in the way we live and the actions that we take. So what do you do? I want you to fill your word, or fill your mind with God's word. I want you to say, okay, God, today I am going to put your word into my mind. And I'm going to know that things are going to happen that are going to be good. I'm not talking about just being able to quote some obscure Bible verse once in a while. And I think we do need to memorize God's word. And I challenge you to do that every week. At least to, to memorize one or two verses today. I'm asking you to memorize Romans 12, 1 and 2. But that's not all I'm talking about. I'm talking about how do you immerse yourself in God's word. I loved the, the title of this Bible, Immerse, the Reader Bible. And that's what we're doing. We are immersing ourselves in God's word. For eight weeks, we are immersing ourselves in the New Testament. Then later on this year, for eight weeks, we're going to immerse ourselves in the first five books of the Bible, the beginning. And then next year, we're going to immerse ourselves for eight weeks and eight weeks in, in, the, in the middle parts of the Old Testament. And then two years from now, we're going to be immersing ourselves again for eight weeks and eight weeks uh, in the latter parts of the New Testament. I mean, the Old Testament, rather. So in three years, we're going to immerse ourselves in God's word, reading every word of it, speaking it, letting God speak to our lives through it, because we begin to put that truth into our minds, and then truth comes out. 
And if you're not doing that, then you're going to have something come out of your life, but it's not going to be based on God's word. The more you immerse yourself on God's word, the more of his word lives in your life. And there are no shortcuts to that. That's where the hard work comes in. You say, I can't read that much. Yes, you can. You can let somebody read it to you. You, Your computer will read this to you. If you can't read, you can immerse yourself in God's word, expecting those things to come out that God wants to do. Colossians 3, 16, Paul said this, Let the message about Christ in all its richness fill your lives, Teach and counsel each other with all the wisdom he gives. Sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs to God with thankful hearts. Let God enrich your life. Paul's saying, when your mind is saturated with the word of God, you get wisdom, you get grace, and you get a song in your heart. You know what song in your heart will be? It kind of goes back to when I was a youth pastor. If you are not immersing yourself in God's word, the song in your heart is going to be a song of depression. Nobody loves me. Everybody hates me. Guess I'll eat some worms tonight. Fat ones, skinny ones, big ones, little ones, all kinds of worms. That's the junk that the world brings out. But when you have God's word in your life, when you're immersing yourself in God's word, he changes the song. Changes the song. The song that that I thought about as I was thinking about the worm song when I was a youth pastor was another chorus. I've been redeemed. I've been redeemed by the blood of the lamb. I've been redeemed. By the blood of the Lamb, I've been redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. Saved by the Holy Spirit, I am. All my sins are washed away, I've been redeemed. Now, which song do you want to sing all day long? Do you want God telling you to sing, Oh, man, i got to eat worms tonight because my life is such a mess and nobody loves me? Are you want to say, praise God, I've been redeemed. The Holy Spirit has come into my life, and I've been transformed. My sins are forgiven, and I am a new person in Jesus Christ. God says, I want to transform your life, and that's what I give you. Heard about a man who said, I gave up talk radio. And he said, after a month, my wife told me I'm a new person. Not nearly as cranky as I used to be. What are you going to put in? You can put in God's word, you can put in what the world says is true. Are you going to immerse yourself in God's word? You know, it's not too late here in 2021. We're just now finishing the second month. That means there's 10 more months in this year. If you didn't make a resolution that you're trying to keep, let me share one resolution that would go well for the remainder of this year. A resolution that says something like this, that says, every day... I'm going to make it a point to program God's word into my mind. I'm going to make it that point to do that. I'm going to do that through reading the Bible. 
I'm going to do that through listening to worship music. I'm going to do it through listening to sermons. You can go online and listen to all kinds of sermons. You can go online and listen to several years' worth of sermons, even on our website. I'm going to do those things so that Christ can dwell richly in me and so that I can be transformed by the renewing of my mind and so that I can live God's will in my life. That's how you get there. There are so many things that we think we know. The world is always telling us this, that, and the other. And most of the time, it's not true. It's trying to tell us who we are, that we're broken, that we're miserable, that we're not worth anything. And God says, but that's not who I tell you you are. I tell you that you are worth everything. That I sent Jesus Christ into the world to die for you. That I want you to have an intimate, personal relationship with me. And it will happen through the blood of Jesus Christ. And then it will happen as you allow the Holy Spirit to change the way you think. Because you invite him into your mind. You say, here's my mind. I will fill it with your word. And then he allows that to change who you are and how you will act. I want you to read with me again as we stand together. Verse 2 of Romans chapter 12. Let's read it out loud. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. Heavenly Father, thank you again for your word. Thank you that in Jesus Christ we are brand new creatures. And we can live that way. You don't have to be in heaven to be able to live that way. We live that way today. We can live out that good and perfect will, that which is pleasing to you, by allowing you to change how we think. Father, I pray for that one who is struggling with making that choice of salvation. We pray that today would be that day that they say yes to Jesus, that they allow the Holy Spirit to come into their heart, to allow Jesus' blood to forgive their sins, to make them a new creature in you. And we will give you praise and glory for what you can do and what you will do. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.